Hello everyone and welcome to Coffee Break. I'm your host Leon Allen. Tonight's discussion we'll be talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Um, before I dive deep into this, I want to read something that I found online. Um, it was just posted the other day. Um, it says, Authorities in Scotland were forced to issue a warning over the weekend after an event inspired by the Storm Area 51 craze suggested that people flocked to Loch Ness in search of the legendary monster said to lurk at the site. Much like its American counterpart, Storm Loch Ness jokingly argued that descending upon the location in masses would somehow solve the long-standing mystery because Nessie can't hide from us all. While it is yet to amass the jaw-dropping numbers of alleged attendees that the Area 51 event has gamered, the Loch Ness version has drawn interest from around 60,000 people the fairly sizable number of potential monster hunters uh, planning to the site on September 21st caught the attention of the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, RNLI. Uh, they were stationed at the location. As one can imagine, they were concerned about the concept. In a statement posted to the RNLI Facebook page, the group noted that with no U.S. Army involved, Loch Ness looks like a little less hazardous than Stormy Area 51. But here we have our own set of problems. They went on to explain that their lifeboat has an impressive survivor carrying capacity, but it is not nearly big enough to accommodate tens of thousands of people who may be in distress should they decide to storm the waters of the site. To that end, the organization observed that Loch Ness possesses a number of characteristics which make it a particularly bad location for storming. Uh, they, they noted that it is around 750 feet deep and that the water average is a frigid 42 degrees Fahrenheit all year round, meaning cold water shock and hypothermia are real dangers. Although the Storm Loch Ness event is seemingly not being taken seriously by those claiming that they will attend. Clearly, the RNLI believes that there is the potential for some foot full-heartedly individuals to actually show up in September looking for Nessie and in turn needing to be rescued. Uh, that's very interesting reading that um, uh, story there. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to dive deep into this and, and maybe try to solve this if uh, the Loch Ness Monster actually does exist. Um, in Scottish folklore, the Loch Ness Monster of Nessie is said to be a creature that inhabits Loch Ness in the Scar Scottish Highlands it is often described as large in size, with a long neck and one or more humps protruding from the water. Popular interest and belief in the creature have varied since it was first brought to worldwide attention in 1933. Evidence of its existence with a few disputed photographs and sonar readings. Um, it says here, the scientific community regards the Loch Ness Monster as a phenomenon without bibliological basis, explaining sightings as hoaxes, wishful thinking, and so on and so on. Um, it's got its history from um, St. Columbia in 565. The earliest report of a monster in this vicinity of Loch Ness appears to be in the life of St. Columbia and Adamant. Written in the 6th century AD, according to Adaman, writing about a century after the events described, Irish monk St. Columbia 
was staying in the land of the pickets with his companions when he encountered local residents bearing a man by the river Ness. They explained that the man was swimming in the river when he was attacked by a water beast, which mauled him and dragged him underwater. Although they tried to rescue him in a boat, he was dead. Columbia sent a follower, Eugene Mocha Min, to swim across the river. The beast approached him, but Columbia made the sign of the cross and said, go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. The creature stopped as if it had been pulled back with ropes and fled, and Columbia's men and the pickets gave thanks for what they preserved as a miracle. Believers in the monster point to the story set in the river nest rather than the loch nest itself as evidence for the creature's existence as early as, as, early as the 6th century. Skeptics questioned the narrative's re reliability, noting that water beast stories were extremely common in medieval times. Um, it says here, Adamant's tale probably recycles a common modif attached to a local landmark. According to skeptics, Adamant's story may be independent of the modern Loch Ness monster legend and became attached to it by believers seeking to bolster their claims. Ronald Benz considered that this is the most serious of various alleged early sightings of the monster, but all their claimed sightings before 1933 are dubious and do not prove a monster tradition before that date. Christopher Canary uses a specific historical and cultural analyst of Adamant to separate Adamant's story about St. Columbia and a modern myth of the Loch Ness Monster, but finds an earlier, earlier significant use of Celtic water beast folklore along the way. In doing so, he also discredits any strong connection between Kelpies or water horses and the modern media creation of the Loch Ness Monster. Um, in October 1871, D. McEnizzi of Benlin reportedly saw an object resembling a log, a log or an upturned boat wriggling and churning up the water. The object moved slowly at first, disappearing at a faster speed. McKenzie sent his story in a letter to Rupert Gar in 1934, shortly after popular interest in the monster increased. Um, we have George Spicer. Modern interest in the, mon in the monster was sparked by a sighting on July 22, 1933, when George Spicer and his wife saw a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car. They described the creature as having a large body. They said it was about four feet high and 25 feet long, a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, and as long as a 10 to 12 foot width of the road. They saw no limbs. It lurched across the road towards the, lock, towards the locks 20 yards away, leaving a trail broken undergrowth in its wake. It has been claimed that sightings of the monster increased after a road was built along the locks in early 1933, bringing workers and tourists to the formerly isolated area. However, Benz has described this as the myth of the lonely lodge, as it was far from isolated before then due to the construction of the canal. In the 1930s, the existing road by the side of the lodge was given a serious upgrade. Just possibly this work could have, could have contributed to the legend since there could have been barrels floating in the lodge. Uh, Hugh Gray. Hugh Gray's photograph taken near Fours on 12th of November, 1933, was the first photograph alleged to dis dispute the monster. 
It was slightly blurred and has been noted that if one looks closely, the head of a dog can be seen. Gray had taken his Labrador for a walk that day. It is expected that the photograph, uh, despite his dogs fetching a stick from the lodge. Others have suggested the photograph despite an otter or a swan. The original negative was lost. However, in 1963, Maurice Burton came to possession of two lantern slides, contact positives from the original negative, and when projected onto a screen, they revealed an otter rolling at the surface in characteristic fashion. Uh, Arthur Grant. Now these are people that have took pictures of the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, on January 5th, 1934, a motorcyclist, Arthur Grant, claimed to have nearly hit the creature while approaching uh, near the northern eastern end of the lodge at about 1 a.m. on a moonlit night. According to Grant, at a small head attached to a long neck, the, the creature saw him and crossed the road back to the lodge. Grant, a veterinary student, described it as a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur. He said he dismounted and followed it to the lodge, but only saw ripples. Grant produced a sketch of the creature, which was examined by zoologist Maurice Burton, who stated it was constant with the appearance and behavior of an otter. Regarding the long size of the creature, reported by Grant, it has been suggested that this was a faulty observation due to the poor light conditions. Darren Nash has suggested that Grant may have seen either an otter or seal and is sighting over time. Uh, surgeon's photograph, 1934. The surgeon's photographs are reportedly the first photo of the creature's head and neck, supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, uh, a London doctor. It was published in the Daily Mail on the 21st of April, 1934. Wilson's refusal to have his name associated with it led to being known as a surgeon's photograph. According to Wilson, he was looking at the lodge when he saw the monster, grabbed his camera and snapped four photos. Only two exposures came out clearly. The first reportedly so shows a small head and back, and the second shows a similar head in a diving position. The first photo became well known and the second attracted little publicity because of its blurriness. For 60 years, the photo was considered evidence of the monster's existence. Although skeptics dismissed it as a driftwood, an elephant, an otter, or a bird. The photo scale was controversial. It is often shown cropped, making the creature seem large and the ripples like waves. While the uncropped shot, shot shows the other end of the lodge and the monster in the center. The ripples in the photo were forced to fit the size and pattern of small ripples. Unlike large waves photographed up close, analysts of the original image fostered further doubt in 1933. The makers of the Discovery Communication documentary, Loch Ness, discovered and analyzed the uncropped image and found a white object visible in every version of the photo, implying that it was on the negative. It was believed to be the cause of the ripples as if the object was being towed, although the possibility of a blemish on the negative cannot be ruled out. An analyst of the full photograph indicated that the object was small about 60 to 90 millimeters, two to three foot long. Since 1944, or since 1994, most agree that the photo was an elaborate hoax. It had been described as fake in a December 1975 Sunday Telegraph article, which fell in obscurity. 
Details of how the photo was taken were published in the 1999 book Nessie, not Nelly, Nessie. The surgeon's photograph exposed, which contains a fake smile of the 1975 Sunday Telegraph article. The creature was reportedly a toy submarine built by Christian Sperling, the son-in-law of Weatherford. Weatherford had been publicly ridiculed ridiculed by his employer, employer, the Daily Mail, after he found Nessie footprints, which turned out to be a hoax. To get revenge on the mail, Weatherford perpetrated his hoax with co-spirators Sperling and Ian Weatherford, his son, who bought the material for the fake, and Maurice Chambers, an insurance agent. The toy submarine was bought from F.W. Woolworths, and its head and neck were made from wood putty. After testing at a local pond, the group went to Locks Nest, where Ian Weatherford took the photos near the Alsegi Tea House when they heard a water bailiff approaching. Duke Warford sank the model with his foot and is primarily still somewhere in Locks Nest. Chambers gave the photographic plates to Wilson, a friend of his who enjoyed a good practical joke. Wilson brought the plates to Oxton's Inverness chemist and gave them to George Morrison for development. He sold the first photo to the Daily Mail and then announced that the monster had been photographed. Uh, little is known as the second photo. It is often ignored by researchers who believe its quality too poor and its differences from the first photo too great to warrant analysts. It shows a head similar to the first photo with a more turbulent wave pattern and possibly taken at a different time and location in Lodge. Some believe it would be an earlier, cruder attempt at a hoax, and others, including Roy McHale and Maurice Burton, consider it a picture of a diving bird or otter which Wilson mistaked for the monster. According to Morrison, when the plates were developed, Wilson and Underestered in the second photo, he allowed Morrison to keep the negative and the second photo was rediscovered years later. When asked about the second photo by the Ness, Information Service Newsletter Sperling was vague. Though it might have been a piece of wood, they were trying out as a monster, but was not sure. Um, there's also uh, Taylor Films. I guess they made a 16mm color film about this back in 1938. Um, it says on the 29th of May, 1938, South African tourist G.E. Taylor filmed something in a watch for three minutes on 16mm color film. The film was obtained by popular science writer Maurice Burton who did not show it to other researchers. A single frame was published in this 1961 book, The Elusive Monster. His aunts concluded it was a floating object, not an animal. Uh, William Fraser, 1938. On the 15th of August, 1938, William Fraser, Chief Constable Ennis Shire, wrote a letter that the monster existed beyond doubt and expressed concern about a hunting party which had arrived with a custom-made harpoon gun determined to catch the monster dead or alive. He believed his power to protect the monster from the hunters was very doubtful. And that letter was released by the National Archives of Scotland on the 27th of April, 2010. Uh, sonar readings. In December 1954, sonar readings were taken by the fishing boat rival of the three. Its crew noted a large object kept pace with the vessel at a depth of 146 meters, which equals to 479 feet. It was detected for 800 minutes, I guess, or 800, 800 M, 2,600 feet before contrast or before contact was lost and regained. 
Previous sonar attempts uh, were inconclusive or negative. Uh, Peter McNabb, 1955. Peter McNabb uh, at Uruquart Castle on 29th of July, 1955, took a photograph that uh, took a photograph. He caught long two long black humps in the water. The photograph was not made public until it appeared in Constance White's 1957 book on the subject. On the 23rd of October, 1958, it was published by the Weekly Scotsman. Arthur Ronald Benz wrote the phenomena which McNabb photographed could easily be a wave effect resulting from three, twa- three uh, uh, trawlers traveling closely together up the lodge. Other researchers considered the photograph a hoax. Ray Mackle requested to use the photograph in his 1976 book. Uh, he received the, the original negative from McNabb, but discovered it different from the photograph that appeared in White's book. The tree at the bottom left in White's was missing from the negative. It is suspected that the photograph uh, was was a hoax, and they re-photographed uh, another print in with the um, in with the other picture, in with the other negative. Uh, Dinsdale film. Uh, Tim Dinsdale filmed a hump which left a wake crossing Loch Ness in 1960. Dinsdale, who reportedly had the sighting on his final day of search, described it as a reddish with a blotch on its side. He said that when he mounted his camera, the object began to move, and he shot 40 feet of film according to the JARIC. The object was probably animate. Others were skeptical, saying that the hump cannot be ruled out as being a boat, and when the contrast is increased, a man in a boat can be seen. In the 1993 Discovery Communications produced a documentary, Loch Ness discovered with a digital enhancement of the Dinsdale film. A person who enhanced the film noticed a shadow in the negative, which was not obvious in the developed film. By enhancing and overlaying frames, he found what appeared to be the rear body of a creature underwater. Before I saw the film, I thought the Loch Ness monster was a load of rubbish. Have we done the enhancement? I'm not so sure. Uh, Loch Ness Muppet, 1977. Anthony Doc Shields. Now this happened on May on May the 21st, 1977. Anthony Doc Shields, camping next to Uruk Castle, took some of the clearest pictures of the monster until this day. Shields, a magician and psych- psychic, claimed to have summoned the animal out of the water. He later described it as an elephant squid, claiming the long neck shown in the photograph is actually the squid's trunk, and that a white spot at the base of the neck is its eye. Due to lack of ripples, it has been declared a hoax by a number of people and received its name because of its staged look. Um, 2007, that's just too recent, uh, this is real recently here. Uh, Holmes video on 26 May 2007. 55-year-old laboratory technician Gordon Holmes videotaped what he said was this jet black thing about 14 meters, which equals 46 feet long, moving fairly fast in the water. Adrian Shine, a marine, a marine biologist at the Loch Ness 2000 Center in Drama it's weird how some of the, they named some of these um, uh, places here. Drama described the footage as among the best footage he had ever seen. BBC Scotland broadcast a video on the 29th of May of 2007. STV News North Tonight aired the footage on 28th of May 2007. And interview Holmes. They interviewed Holmes. 
Shine was also interviewed and suggested that the footage was an otter, seal, or water bird. Uh, sonar image in 2011. On the 24th of August 2011, Lots Nest Captain, or Lots Nest Boat Captain Marcus Addison photographed a sonar image of a 1.5 meter wide identified object which seemed to follow his boat for two minutes at a depth of 23 meters, I guess 75 feet, and ruled out the possibility of a small fish or seal. In April 2012, a scientist from the National Oceanography Center said that the image is a bloom of algae and zooplankton. George Edwards photographed 2011 on the 3rd of August 2012, skipper George Edwards claimed that a photo he took on November 2nd, 2011 shows Nessie. Edwards claims to have searched for the monster for 26 years and reportedly spent 60 hours per week on the lodge abro- uh, aboard his boat, Nessie Hunter 4. Taking tours for rides on the lake, Edwards said, in my opinion, it probably looks kind of like, kind of like a manatee but not a mammal. When people see these humps, they probably just seen three separate monsters. Other researchers have questioned the photographs and Loch Ness researcher Steve Feltham suggested that the object on water is a fiberglass hump used in a National Geographic Channel documentary in which Edwards has participated in. Researcher Dick Raynor has questioned Edwards' claim of discovering a deeper bottom of Loch Ness with Rainer calls Edwards Deep, he found. Uh, Edwards claims for the location condition of the photograph and the actual location and weather conditions that day, according to Rainer, Edwards told him he had faked a photograph in 1986, which he claimed was genuine in the National Geographic documentary. Although Edwards admitted in October 2013 that his 2011 photograph was a hoax, he insisted that the 1986 photograph was genuine. David Elder Video, 2013. On 27th of August, 2013, tourist David Elder presented a five-minute video of a mysterious wave in the lodge. According to Elder, the wave was produced by a 4.5, 15-foot solid black object just under the surface of the water. Elder 50 from East Kelbright, South Lancashire, was taking a picture of a swan at the Fort Agatis Pier on the southwestern end of the lodge when he captured the movement, he said. The water was very still at the time and there were no ripples coming off the wave and no other activity on the water. Uh, skeptics suggest that the wave may have been caused by a wind gust. Apple Maps Photograph 2014 On 19th of April 2014, it was reported that a satellite image on Apple Maps showed what appeared to be a large creature thought by some to be the Loch Ness Monster just below the surface of Loch Ness. At the Loch's far north, the image appeared about 30 meters, which is 98 feet long. Possible, possible explanations were the wake of a boat with the boat itself lost in image stitching or low contrast. Seal caused ripples or floating wood. Uh, Google Street View 2015. Google uh, commemorated the 81st anniversary of the surgeon's photo with a Google Doodle. It added a new feature to Google Street View with which users can explore the lodge above and below the water. Google reportedly spent a week at Lodge Nest collecting imagery with a Street View t- Treaker camera. Uh, Street View Treaker camera 
attaching it to a boat to photograph above the surface and calibrating with members of the Cantlin Sea View Survey to a photograph underwater. Um, a number of explanations have been suggested to account for sightings of the creature. According to Ronald Benz, a former member of the Loch Ness uh, Paranormal Investigation Bureau, uh, there is possibly no single explanation of the monster. Benz wrote to two skeptical books that in 1983, The Loch Ness Mystery Solved and his 2017, The Loch Ness Mystery Reloaded. In these, he contends that an aspect of human psychology is the ability of the eye to see what it wants and expects to see. They may be categorized as misconfactionations uh, of known animals, misconfactionations of uh, intimate objects or FX. Uh, this could be Scottish folklore hoaxes and exotic species of large animals. A reviewer wrote that Benz had evolved into the author of the definite skeptical book of the subject. Benz does not call the sightings a hoax, but a myth in the true sense of the term and states that the monster is a psychological phenomenon. Uh, after 1983, the search for the possibility that there just might be continues to enthrall a small, small number of whom eyewitnesses' evidence outweighs all other considerations. Um, it goes so on that it says some people believe that uh, uh, it's eels, you know, maybe a, a different type of eel was, you know, was spotted. Uh, scientists, it says a large eel was an early suggestion. Eels are found in large nests and is unusually large one would explain many sightings. Dinsdale dismissed, dismissed because uh, eels uh, indulate side to side like snakes. Sightings in 1856 of a sea serpent in a freshwater lake near Lubers in the outer herb herborides were explained at those of an oversized eel who believed common in Highland Lakes. Um, some people believe it was a, you know, a crossbreed between a elephant and another animal um who knows who knows i guess you're just gonna have to make your own uh uh decision about this if it is real or not real um you know when you read a lot of this stuff on that you that you find online you don't actually know if it's legit or just made up something so people can make an easy buck um the only thing I can say is uh, if you're interested in this, go online, do your research, study on this, and who knows, maybe you'll be the person or people uh, that uh, solves this. Um, I want to thank everybody for stopping by the coffee break tonight, and everybody have a wonderful evening. Good night.